You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, ad-free episodes, and our Discord. Much more. Much, much more. Support this show for the price of a cup of coffee. Cool. Now that we've gotten out of the way, the Rangers are pretty good, huh? I think the team is good. You tell me. Uh, 9-0-1 in their last 10. Seemingly no good players. Uh, there's still a lot of good players. But seemingly no Igor, no Adam Fox, no Philip Heedle. Maybe some other key additions are out coming up this week, but we have no games, no games at all. So on today's show, we have our dear friend Jeff, who is our devil analyst, who's come on a million times to the show to talk about the matchup with the Devils as our guest. We talk about what's happened of recently. Somehow we don't even mention the refs till like after the hour mark. That's how much has gone on. So without further ado, here's our dear friend Mark Messier to introduce the podcast and let's get to the fun. Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another look at the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, say hello. Welcome, hello, uh, to the Carlos Mendoza era of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Yes, of course, the number one topic we want to be talking about today is I, Carlos Mendoza. <laughs> no, but I saw the, I'm sure you saw it too, the the floating list of rank these last five Rangers coaches. Um, uh, oh, I like that question because it was hard for me. Yeah, but it, I, I, of course, immediately made it uh, Mets related and about my entire lifetime. Hmm, makes sense. Ryan, I, I can't even explain the noise I made when I realized Terry Collins is probably number two on that list. It was one of those, ah, uh, oh no, oh no, why? Why is this my life? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, if I don't, like, if Laviolette stays where he is now, obviously things will go wrong and things will be bad and we'll hate Laviolette eventually. But for right now, he's been everything I can ask for him and more. I'm sure you saw the story from over the weekend where he like got all the family together and they're doing like face painting on the ice and everybody can come skate and do all this thing. It's like a big family day. The dude's just doing everything right. He's pushing all the buttons. And I don't know if you've noticed, he's also playing Barclay Goodrow like a lot less than <laughs> Gerard Gallant did. He's giving Lafreniere ever heard of him. Number one overall pick time with, uh, Jamie Panarin, who's on the longest Rangers point streak ever. And the longest of his career as well. And uh, to open also- a season. To no, be, I think it's to ever be short. Now. I know the Ranger record is to open a season. Okay. Sorry. My apologies. Yeah. Jesus. Do you even talk about this team? uh, Probably not. And, uh, and Lafreniere has 11 points or something like that in his last, some, some amount of games, some ridiculous (laughs) shit. He's going nuts. Um, so this all leads me to, I hate Gerard Gallant so much. I hate his ass. (laughs) I hate everything about him and I think about him too much and I just wish he never existed. But to your point, he's probably last on my list. The thing about that list that really frustrated me the most is I started to feel like I had to defend Elaine Vigneault a little bit. And I have to tell you, Ryan, that's the that's the last thing I ever want to do, which is why I didn't physically engage with the list on Twitter, and I don't want to talk about it 
again after this because like, don't make me defend Elaine Vino. It's I, I, it's not fair. I had the same thing, and I'll tell you that I had him ranked one, and I hated myself when I did it. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> like, it's it's true. Like it, I know. It, I know, it ended poorly. It ended terribly. We all hated it. None of us liked how Pavel Buchnevich was traded at the end. Vino himself was an idiot, and his systems were outdated. Yep. Can't ignore the fact that the Rangers went to a cup, probably should have won another cup, if not for a Zuccarello and McDonough injury. It Vino was the perfect guy at the perfect time, and boy, if it just ended two years earlier, we'd have nothing but nice things to say about Elaine Vino. It just went too long. Sometimes, listen, if Game of Thrones ended two seasons earlier, you know what we'd be talking about glowingly and longingly we would every that, day of our lives? If it ended when the the whole thing exploded and that was the last episode, it'd be like, that's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they did two more seasons to rush two Star Wars movies they never got. Awesome. Oh, thank God they never got. It makes me so happy they never got to make those Star Wars movies. Good, dude. They don't deserve it. They ruined I the know. It's, they ruined I, the only TV show that was appointment viewing. Like, how, <laughs> how do you do that? Right. I used to go over to our friend Matt Valley's house to watch Game of Thrones. I would leave my house to go watch a TV that I had somewhere else. That that's what I would now. do. It's, it's the only thing you do that for is sports. That's the only thing you do it for. And yeah, that's yet, it. Thrones was that, and they fucked it up. Anyway, they fucked it up. Uh, the Rangers are good. They are really good. And but they've lost they, two games in regulation so far this season. That's it. One, by the way, against Columbus Blue Jackets, is where two goals were called back. And the other one, I can't even remember at this point. Oh, you can't remember your meltdown you had on a Thursday night because the Rangers got oh, outclassed right. by the Nashville I, Predators? I'm sorry. They got classed. You're correct. <laughs> other than that, they've, they've done nothing but win in weird and strange fashion. I um, can't remember the one game I overreacted to so amazingly. Game four, of course, on, <laughs> on OT when I had a 20-minute rant about how <laughs> these people. Anyway, their team's fucking good. <laughs> uh, and despite Despite all this, they're not—they're playing without. And I keep going back to where you and I would said on this podcast a million times: this team without Igor Shosturkin is in a really bad place. Mm-hmm. Like it's—it's it's probably not going to go very, very far. You're going to go as Igor takes you. Jonathan Quick and Louis Domingue <laughs> have been tremendous. Jonathan Quick is four zero and one and has been um, out of this world. Benoit Lair deserves so much, and Louis Domingue looked awesome as well. Uh, now I know the defense is playing better in front of both of those gentlemen, but to have this streak without Adam Fox and out Igor Shosturkin and without Philip Heedle, and now maybe without Ryan Lindgren, we'll get to in a couple minutes to have this cushion, this lead, this, uh, resilience without those players is unforeseen and almost seems impossible the more I look at it, but the team feels different and there are, there are players step like, what is the one thing we said during the preseason and last year too? If this team's this team's going to go as far as the kids take them, and so far, Greg, with the exception of like say whatever you want about Kapokako with his two points, uh, I still think he's way better than those two points show. And I understand I'm a defender, all that. The kids have stepped up and they have provided value, and especially Alexi Lafreniere. It's really remarkable to think that not just I I, I did the tweet last night where the Rangers are three zero and one since Igor Fox and Heedle both left the lineup. Uh, <laughs> if if we were recording this podcast after four games without those three players and the Rangers were two and two in that stretch, we'd be sounding glowingly about how the we'd be sounding how we're sounding right now. Nothing would change in the tone of our voice. We'd say something along the lines of the fact that the Rangers are playing at fifty percent point percentage without their two best players, the two critical players 
and you had an effect that Louis Domingue started one of these games, we'd just be off the walls happy. We'd be worried about the road ahead. We'd be concerned about how long Fox and Heedle, who's still not skating, are really going to be out. Um, At least it seems like Igor is coming back this week because call it a a normal circumstance. You and I bitching and moaning about the fact that the New York Mm -hmm. Rangers played on Sunday and now don't have a game until Saturday. And that game is the one game of the week. And then immediately after that Saturday game, the Rangers start a five games in 10 day stretch because that makes all the sense in the motherfucking world. But it's, boy, is it nice, Ryan, to have this weird schedule quirk where the Rangers don't have a game this week, which will allow Igor Shosturkin to get fully healthy. Uh, seems like Laviolette, from what he said today, being Monday, that he's hoping Lindgren skates on Wednesday. So it sounds like Lindgren probably isn't missing too long of time, if any time at all. Wow, just how did we get here, I think is the question that I'm trying to really answer i i i don't know it's it's awfully nice it's crazy as well because it's not just those players missing from the lineup mika zibanejad might be playing some of the worst hockey he's played as a new york ranger currently the fourth line i get frustrated every time i see a barclay goodrow chart because we all agree that he's shouldn't be under contract for that long and getting paid that much but every chart to me, the only thing I want to see on that chart is how he's doing on the penalty kill. That's all he's here to do. And Ryan, he's doing it fantastically. He, I, I, even the chart, uh, Andy and Rono's chart, he's a 91, 91st percentile on the penalty kill. That's all cool. I care about. That's, that's it. That's, that's all he's here to do, which I know what everyone at home is, is getting frustrated by me saying because you shouldn't be paying someone $3 million plus to be a penalty kill specialist. And I agree. But if we ignore the fact that that's what they're doing, he is doing his job. To near perfection. The Rangers penalty kill has never been this good. It's incredible. And it's... The defense has never been this good. And Goodrow is is responsible for some of that. He's not generating any offense. And you know why? Because Laviolette's probably going up to him saying, Hey man, just don't give up a goal. I don't care if you put one in yourself. I don't want you giving up a goal. He said, 10-4 good buddy, no problem. I... Man. Zibanejad's not going to be this bad... All year. This is no, not the marchers, first time. Marchers around the corner, dude. He'll be totally fine. But not just that. I, I I remember at least each of the last two seasons, us having conversations about Zibanejad and me saying, when he's going through these periods, I want him to shoot more. And I do. Because his shooting percentage is unsustainably low. He seems to be pressing. He understands he's in a slump. So I think it's all boiling to the top. But it's one of those where if he bags one, he's going to bag ten. So, also, and the only way you'd bag one is if you shoot. He also uh, went out of his way this weekend when he's talking to Vince about defending Capococco and just like, hey, it's not really all on him. It's on us as well. It's not. So, by the way, this this new Rangers motto is everyone, no one takes credit for anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Chris Kreider-esque where the entire team is, is just sitting there. Um, and no matter what happens on the ice, it's to say, yeah, it's the other guys. Um, so, good Good team chemistry, good team building. The vibes are entirely different from last year, but uh, that that top line. Look, Kreider scored two at five v five. Kreider's on a heater. Like it's, <laughs> I know he scored fifty two goals like three years ago, but this might be some of the best hockey he's ever played. The and the good news about the top line is that while they're not scoring, they are driving play, and they're no one scoring against them at all. So 
if that's like the good takeaway, that, that's that. Because the Artemi Panarin-Lafreniere connection is scoring nonstop. It can't stop scoring. And the gall and the audacity for, for Lafreniere to take that backhand shootout shot. And look, the shootout is stupid. It's a skills competition. It shouldn't, deserve, it shouldn't determine who wins. But that kind of move to win a shootout, um, when you're third to go after Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibinijad, when the game's kind of on the line to do that, that shows a confidence that I don't think Lafreniere has really had since he's been here. I will say, there are not a lot of good things we can say about Gerard Gallant. I'm not going to start saying them today. The one thing we consistently did give him praise for is Gallant would be able to read the room in a shootout and give someone an opportunity that would kind of surprise us. He did it with Kako, did it with Miller, did it with Fox, did it with Lafreniere, did it with Kreider. Gallant could read a room. And I, I, I say that to say, I'm happy LaViolette can too, where you... No matter what happens, you're sending out Panarin and Zibanejad first. You have those two guys. They have the track record. You send them out no matter what. But to have the stones, frankly, to put Lafreniere out there when he doesn't have the track record in a shootout, but he's having the game of his life and allowing him to go out there and cook, yeah, that I want my coach to be able to read the room. I think that's a bare minimum trait. And I'm really happy that Peter Laviolette can read the room. Because here's how else Peter Laviolette reads the room. Man, Artemi Panarin's really on a heater. What if I double shift him all the time? What if I just start making sure Lafreniere, uh, uh, Panarin is on the ice at all times? Because maybe I don't need to feed Blake Wheeler ice time. And the really nice thing about being able to double shift Panarin is he puts Panarin out there, and then he puts a defensive line out there where last night it was Cooley who was playing incredibly, uh, Bonino and Kako. And then he would put the Lafreniere Trocheck line with Panarin back out there. And then he would just put Cooley, Bonino, and Kako back out there. He would not put the fourth line back out there. And then he put Panarin back out there. It was essentially, here's here's Panarin. We'll play him with anybody. Now we're going to go defensive. Here's Panarin again. We'll play him with anybody. Now we're going to go defensive. And I, oh, it's just, it's nice to watch a hockey game and know that we're not going to get out coached. That's such a nice feeling. It's really wonderful. I can't remember the last time I felt it. I I cannot believe how positive I feel about this coach. I hate I'm it. On this. <laughs> I, I, I hate it too. I'm like, I fucking love this guy. It's, it's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had to cover so far, which is insane. Fucking crazy. I can't believe it. Um, of, of all sports, to be honest, there's only one coach I like more, and that'll never be tough. He's on, on the wall in my, in my room house. But... Um, it's really, really, really strange. And you're right. Like Artemi Panarin played his, his career high in minutes last night. That feels impossible. He's like 31 years old. 32, career 32. High. Sorry. 32. He's getting up there in age. He's playing the best hockey of his career. He's right now on a heart trophy pace and he's playing career high minutes. That doesn't make any sense, but the Lafreniere and Trocheck line, um, and look, say, I hope he gets back here soon. I really need him back. I, I'd like to see more of what he was doing. But would you put Hedo back on that line immediately? I know this was one of our five star questions, but I'm oh, happy we're talking. I'm happy we're talking about it now because it's probably worth a bigger conversation. I would put Hedo back on that line because now that Tro, first of all, the Trocheck line with Cooley and Wheeler or whoever you want to put on that wing was playing perfectly well as well. They, there weren't any complaints on my end for what that line was doing. They were being asked to do something different than what Trocek is doing right now. But they 
were accomplishing the mission in my eyes. They were being that checking third line with scoring upside that I think the modern NHL thrives on. And and you put Kako on that line, I don't think they'll give up a goal all year, and Will Cooley's just going to piss people off. And it's wonderful, and I love it. I would put Hedl back with Lafreniere and Panarin, if only because Hedl still doesn't have a goal, and if you all of a sudden unlock Hedl scoring goals, man, what what is impossible? <laughs> what is this team? Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I would, I frankly, um, if Hedl's not ready to go for Saturday, get fucking weird with it. You know what would be the most insulting thing in the world that mm. would really deflate the New Jersey Devils? Put Nick fucking Bonino on the second line and see if he scores a goal. Because the, you're just, I, you're, he checks in the NBA are my favorite thing in the world. Because to have Play the games. balls, to have the balls to be like, stats don't matter right now, I'm just hot. I love People being hot in sports. It defies logic. And right now, Panarin and Lafreniere are so hot. I want to find out how hot they are. So put, put, Bonino, put Bonino up there and make him play against Nico fucking Heischer. Actually, I don't think Heischer's playing no, uh, Heischer against the Rangers. Uses a maybe. Might return on Thursday. Just call your shot. Be like, fuck it. We're going to do something really weird. Put Barkley Goodrow up there for all I care. See if he gets a hat trick. Like, you know how demoralizing that would be for New Jersey if all this fucking heat that not only we gave them, but they gave themselves heading into the season about how they're probably the best team in hockey. And I was saying stuff along the lines of if they trade for Connor Hellebuck, just give them the Stanley Cup now. We wouldn't even have to play the season. Those are words I said, and I meant them. It would be such a backslap for the Rangers to come in there 11-2-1, no Fox, no Heedle, Igor coming off a three-week window in which he hasn't played, and the Rangers say, here's Nick fucking Bonino. We're going to play him top six minutes, and he scores two goals on you. Don't talk to us the rest of the season. I, Ryan, I wouldn't be able to shut up about it. I it's not, swear it's not to going to happen, but it was a great fan fiction, and I'm going to live it all a week long. It's a long week without Rangers <laughs> hockey, so that's what I got to do. Uh, as, of, as of right now, the Devils currently stand below the Capitals in fourth place in Metropolitan Division. They were without Nico Heischer, obviously, and Jack Hughes. They're two number one overall picks and two top centers, so they're struggling for good reason. Uh, the Devils will be fine, and I'm not really I'm not, worried I about them. So, so will the Hurricanes, who are once again doing their fan fiction where they're the Hartford Whalers. A few things in this world piss me off more than that. Very, very strange that they do that. Very weird. If, um, if, the, if the Nationals started just cosplaying as the Montreal Expos, don't you think the world would have a problem with it? I, I think they would. <laughs> the Rays tried to do half a season in Montreal, so they had an issue with that. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yes, so playing the Devils is next up in the schedule all week off to get to get to practices with Laviolette, all good. But, but you're right, Panarin and and I, I look, it's so funny because at the beginning of the season, the one thing I would say was Capo Caco, I'm not worried. I know who he is. And I'm not, I'm still not worried about Caco, by the way. Who I'm are you worried on this Rangers roster? That is a fucking great question. It might be Zabanajad. I think Zabanajad's my number one concern. Um, the, not that he's ever been a great 5v5 player. Never really has been. Um, but he, he does, he is he scores in bunches. He produces a lot of points. He's a great player in that way, but maybe it is sort of like, Hey, he's got a new kid. There's a lot going on. Some adjustments he's making. I don't know. <laughs> what? What's wrong? I just like the storyline where we get to blame the infant for Mika's advantage being bad. 
Uh, look, I, I don't think he's been bad, bad, but he's just not been himself. Is Mika Zibanejad too good of a father, and is it taking away from his hockey ability? Oh, God, that's a real take someone has. Isn't that sad? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that really sad that someone's real take is that? Uh, listen, I mean, you were inching towards it, buddy. I w- I'm not actually saying that. Well, I- yeah, the words came out of your mouth. I'm implying it could be the case, but I'm not blaming well, you. Well, you know, you're saying two things at the same time. You're basically the Edmonton Oilers here who said they did, they talked to the players but also didn't talk to the players right, before hiring Chris Knobloch. Let's talk about this. So over the, over the summer, you and I um, spent pretty – we pretty advocated, like, I don't know. Would you say hard for Chris Knobloch to be the coach? Not that they, we ever thought he would be, but we did say he should get the shot. And it uh, seems like the Oilers heard and listened to the Blue Shirts breakaway thanks to them. Mm. And they fired their coach, Jay Woodcroft, and hired Chris Knobloch to supposedly be the coach of the Edmonton Oilers. He had coached Connor McDavid previously in the OHL. And then they came out and said, we didn't ask anybody. It's their responsibility to play. We talked to nobody and hired them uh, him on his own accord, even though all the hirings they've made of recent have all been Connor McDavid's friends. Your thoughts? Well, again, you're leaving out context here. That's what CEO Jeff Jackson said. Jeff Jackson okay. said we didn't talk to anybody. Players just want to play. We make the decision for the players. We take that responsibility off them, which was in direct contradiction to what Ken Holland said 10 seconds before that Jeff Jackson rant, where Ken Holland said, yeah, I talked to the veterans. I wanted their input. They said the same thing sitting next to each other. It's not like video you cut and put together. Those two idiots were sitting right next to each other and couldn't get on the same fucking page about whether they talked to players or not. I love it. Um, as for the Chris Knobloch of it all, I, I saw some in Oilers media wondering why the Oilers hired an under 500 AHL coach to coach their team. To me, that's just lazy journalism where you looked at the record and not the context behind the record. With Knobloch's first season with that team, first of all, a pandemic. Throw it out the window. Who even cares? But second, Wolfpack were a fucking mess before Knobloch and, frankly, Chris Drury. They were, they were a team, a rudder without a ship. They were awful. And it took a lot for them to turn around. And then you add in the fact that outside of Igor Shosturkin, like Vitaly Kravtsov was probably their most talented player and he never wanted to be there. So what exactly am I... He made lemons without... He made lemonade without even having lemons based off everything we've seen. Johnny Brzezinski is the best player Hartford has had before Brennan Othman this year. And I don't I don't think I'm like it's just Will Cooley on the prospect side. Hartford was so bad that we started talking talking ourselves into Morgan Barron and wondering if he was going to be good enough to make an NF- NHL impact. It uh, just it's he it, has but as a fourth liner as we all thought he was. Great. Yeah. That was the best it. player on Hartford. That was the <laughs> number one guy. So I was always surprised, and I wonder if you were too, that when Knobloch, whether you want to call it being passed over for the Rangers' managerial gig or not, he was, in my eyes, essentially passed over. They made an outside organizational hire instead of promoting the guy who has done nothing but receive praise from the organization. It was surprising to me that he returned and wanted to even coach Hartford this year. Um, Once you make that decision that not only was he passed over, the Rangers were doing everything they can to avoid hiring LaViolette. If you follow the breadcrumbs, 
for how he became the coach. They did literally everything to not hire him. They were everything. praying that someone fired somebody else to hire that guy, and it didn't happen. I always felt it was strange that Knobloch came back to the Rangers because it once you hire LaViolette, it sure felt like the Rangers established a ceiling for Knobloch, and that was good soldier in Hartford. So... I'm not surprised he, first of all, never surprised anyone jumps at the opportunity to coach in the NHL. Even less surprised someone would jump at the opportunity to coach in the NHL with a team that has Connor McDavid. That seems like good business for Chris Knobloch. For now. Stop For it. now. They already, anna- they already announced the extension for Knobloch, so. Look, uh, that's good. I-, I don't know if McDavid will be there in two years. Cool, buddy. We'll like, see. until it ha- this isn't something where like Juan Soto makes it clear he doesn't want to sign an extension somewhere. These are NHL players. Until they start showing personality, I'm one to believe they don't have it. You think? Wait, hold on. This is worth at least saying. You, you think there's a good chance he just stays in Edmonton? God, yeah. What? Yeah. How could he as a? a I was going to say as a human, but never mind. I, I guess I made my own point. <laughs> he's not a human. He's hey, a robot. He's so, he's so boring. He really is. According to Merrick uh, on 32 Thoughts, he's pissed, like legitimately pissed, quote unquote. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, cool, man. Why don't you fucking say it? Giancarlo Stanton is not ever been one of the top 20 players in baseball. And even he said he was pissed at the Miami Marlins. Uh, he was an MVP once. <laughs> hey, and then you traded for him. Ah, uh, look, look. That's, I, that's how I know. He's bad. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Yankee fans. And unhealthy. Yeah. Um, what else did we miss from from? Uh, look, happy for Chris Knobloch. Happy for them. Uh, it sucks to lose a guy like that in the AHL. Hopefully, Chris Jury can identify other talent as he, as after well, his initial time has been pretty good at. I'd be surprised if someone beyond Steve Smith is coaching hard for the rest of the year. I don't. I don't. There's no point in trying to. Who's who? What coaching candidate that already has a job is going to leave that job to take over being head coach in the AHL? Probably I, no, it, it wouldn't be not in the NHL. Yeah, so no. I, I I think I think it's going to be Steve Smith the rest of the year, mostly because one, why rush it? Um, you've clearly identified someone you like in the organization that can handle the reins for the rest of the year, but then two, you're just going to have more exciting candidates that are either out of contract or maybe find themselves unhappy in the organization they are in by the end of the year that you can then poach and bring to Hartford. I I hope Steve Smith is the interim guy the rest of the year. Uh, it just makes most sense to me. Uh, I think we pretty much hit everything. Rangers beat the Blue Jackets in a way that they find a way to score with 11 seconds left to get to overtime. Rangers beat the shit out of the Wild, and Rangers beat the Red Wings. Uh, that's it? Yeah. I Again, the, the Rangers are playing really good hockey. Do we... Do we want to just crazy? Oh, sorry. Well, oh. do we want to just gush about Eric Gustafson for a little bit? Because what the hell? <laughs> right. Like, I I fall in sports love a lot with random guys. I, I I admit that I am. I I practice monogamy, but I fall hard and I fall heavy for really random weird dudes. Whether it was Daniel Vogelback when he first became a Met, you you go down the line. Of random guys I've had a love affair with. Probably the first one, Adam Clendenning, on this year's show about Rangers. I agree. Yep. My God, have I fallen heavy. 
Gustafson is going getting a four year deal after this year for uh, like for, six million dollars. He might get five to six million dollars. I don't know how he didn't get it this year. I don't, criminal. I don't understand it. He Le- he played extremely well for the Capitals last year. Leafs fans have to be sick to their stomach. There's no way the. By the way, if you're asking, you're going to ask over the later this summer. How do the Rangers keep him? They don't enjoy this one year. <laughs> he's phenomenal. The fact that he's been able to run. He ran power play one for the Washington Capitals last year and then signed a minimum deal with the Rangers. Uh, as after he was effective of that and then did it again with the Rangers so far, I just don't see there's another way. So he's been everything I, I, I projected in our, like, I think it was our big talking points before the season that he would like run power play two and, you know, score all these points. And he's done way more than I, like even the bold predictions of Eric Gustafson has been way more. Uh, and to have that kind of player that can just slot back on your third line. Once Fox comes back is a, a I don't even know if I wanted to slot back on the third line, but there's no other place to play him. That's how good he is. <laughs> the Rangers at full health will have five defensemen. I mean, honestly, six. Schneider's played really well since his in early season hiccup. I a, a lot of the reason why the Rangers are playing such good team defense is the forwards are playing within the system and being more defensively responsible, and it does trickle down from there. At the same time, the worst Ranger defender... Braden Schneider is a top four player on every other team. And the second worst Ranger defender, Eric Gustafson, is a top line defenseman on 70% of the teams in this <laughs> league. Disgusting. It's just, I don't know how we got here, frankly. I, I, man, we had to suffer through Patrick Nemeth to get this. And you know what, Ryan? Starting to think it was worth it. I was. I, I think Drury, and we've said this before. The first week of Drury's career as a Ranger GM was a disaster. Absolutely. Like, there's no way to come out of it thinking good things. I, I can still defend the Nemeth contract. It was too long, but I don't think anyone could have seen the cliff he drove off of. He drove, he drove, he strapped a rocket to a car <laughs> yeah. and went right to the Guardian. Yeah, no, he was, was essentially no Wiley way. Coyote buying stuff from Acme, and it That's just correct. blew up in his face. The Bustavich thing, we don't have to re- re- reiterate it. Um, Nemeth, obviously the Goodrow. Like, all those things, they stink. But everything else, and I think you could probably make a case against the Kane trade, but it just, honestly, they gave up nothing to get him. It just, again, made made fi- made sense for the Rangers at the time. Everything else Chris Drury's done has been nothing short of phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of... GM moves in terms of trade, in terms of coaching hires, uh, or Drugland, by the way, also a coaching hire of his, but not didn't really work out. Again, early days, early days. Yeah, I. Every time I get excited about anything, Jeff, who we're about to talk to on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, he'll text me back, being like, "I'll say something like, ah, I think the Rangers are a unit," and he'll go, "You know what could make this better?" And every time I say, "If you say Patrick Kane, I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to fucking Jersey City right now," and I will. <laughs> Rumors are he's signing with Buffalo. Uh, who cares? Oh my Whatever. God. I just want it to end. I've never wanted... A sign. The only thing I've ever wanted to end more than this was, remember when Trevor Bauer was flirting with the Mets like two years yes, ago? Yes, and then went to the Dodgers. Thank uh, God. Uh, yep, did, I feel that way about the Patrick Kane negotiations right now. Yep. Uh, let's get to our friend Jeff. Speaking of him, we'll speak about the Devils and how his thoughts on the Rangers so far this season, how the Devils are going to be faring heading into the weekend, and what to expect from the matchup, as he specifically requested to preview the game. Uh, without further ado, here's some words from our sponsors, and we'll get to Jeff now. Transition. 
Hey, yo, I'm here to tell you about the official ticket sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway. That's right, you guessed it. It is TickPick. TickPick is the number one ticketing app and the official ticket sponsor of the Blue Shirts Breakaway all season long. And if you want to get your Rangers tickets, there's only one place to do it. That's right, TickPick it is. TickPick is my favorite ticketing app. I've been using it for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. And it's so easy to use because all I do is pop on, look at the ticket deals. It actually lists them in alphabetical order in some sort of ranking system. Hey, this is an A-plus deal, B-plus. Oh, this one's D-plus. That's too much money. And the best part about TickPick, no fees. That's right. Price you see when you're browsing these tickets is the price you get. It's unlike other ticket apps where you're, you're signing through. You're like, oh, wow, this ticket's cheap. And you check out. You're like, what are these fees? Not with TickPick. No fees. And if you want to use TickPick... We have the best bonus that they could ever give us, which is if you spend $99 or more on tickets, any tickets, not just Ranger tickets, any tickets, and use code BLUESHIRTS15, you get $15 off your order. This is good for every user, not just new users. BLUESHIRTS15, use it today. TickPick, official ticket sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Back to the show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and we're back with our first guest of the day, our reoccurring devil's expert and insider, our dear friend Jeff. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. I think insider might be a bit of a stretch, shut the, but... Shut up, dude. Just take the credit, man. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, what? you are technically inside something. Yeah. We didn't like, say the NHL. Your house. But also, like, you know, no one covers the devils except, like, two people. So you could pretend that you're, like, an expert. It's fine. I'll take it. Yeah, that's what I thought. So anyway, uh, Rangers have no games this week with the exception of playing the Devils on Saturday. The Devils have been without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. I believe Brendan Smith has been an essential part of your season. How's, how's things going in Devils land? Uh, I, th- I think you hit on all the main topics right <laughs> <Nice>. there. Um, <laughs> things have not been you know, looking great lately, but a lot of a lot part of that is due to these injuries. Um, Brendan Smith is a result of an injury as well. Um could be better, but I still believe that this team has what it takes. It's just going to be a matter of putting putting the whole team together back on the ice. I, I don't know. Some about calling Brendan Smith a result of injuries. My mind went to when a mommy and a daddy love each other, but get injured. <laughs> um, yeah, Jeff, you and I talk a lot, obviously, about the Devils. And I think the expectation going into this year, among Ranger fans, the ones that were being honest with themselves – is that the Devils would be a regular season unit and would have to be the hurdle the Rangers have to get through at the end of the year. And it just seems, I know injuries are part of the game. Hughes is out. He sure is out. I get it. But the Devils, even when they were healthy, just seem more vulnerable this year. 
Yeah, they they certainly didn't get off to the start that I think any of the fan base wanted or expected them to. Um, you know, like you're mentioning, a lot of hype coming into uh, the season this year to fully trade, Meyer signing, Brad signing, all things going pretty much exactly as planned. And, you know, a lot of people picking us, even with the goaltending, to be cup favorites or contenders at least. Um, I think the team kind of read into that a little bit and thought that the first few games of the season would be a bit of a cakewalk. Uh, they took quite a few first periods off, didn't seem super prepared. Um, complete 180 from the preseason where I think they were like undefeated, um, which goes to show you how much that matters. It doesn't. Uh, if you're ever looking at that in the future. Um, and everything was kind of going all right, you know, relying on a lethal power play while everybody was still healthy. Five on, five on five still had a way to go. Goaltending still had a way to go. But at least putting points up on the board. Now, you know, getting by with Heischer a little bit out, and then Jack goes down. There's not really somebody that stepped up yet. Jasper Bratt was super hot for a little bit. Uh, I think now that he's facing the top matchups, when Jack is not on the ice, uh, he's struggling a little bit. And things can certainly be better. Let's talk about Timo. Because I think this is this is an interesting topic. I think um, from a Ranger fan perspective and just a general NHL perspective, when the Devils got Timo Meyer, I was kind of sick to my stomach. It's like, oh god, like this is a guy that I think is uh, I don't know if he's an NHL All Star level caliber, but he's certainly around that tier. Can definitely make an All Star team, etc. And then he, I thought he was going to get command like ten million dollars. He didn't. And ended up taking less, and but now he's with the Devils for a long term in the playoffs. He was like one of the guys that didn't really do much against the Rangers. Um, has that sort of changed heading into this season? So a few things on Meyer. I think like a lot of people, you know, he was a top, you know, trade target at the deadline last year. I think Carolina was rumored to be close to them. So in one aspect, you know, the fact that we get him, they don't, that's like a double trade um, in a way. He never really fully found a line or a role last season going into the playoffs. Granted, it was a limited number of games. Um, I actually have a different outlook on the way he performed in the first series where he didn't really get on the score sheet a lot, but he seemed to really be a pain in the ass for you guys. I know he ran Igor a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Truba takes him out of game seven, and that ultimately rolls over where he misses game one of the next series. Um, but I thought he was really effective, and, and one of our – you know, more effective players in the playoffs last year where a lot of guys I felt uh, weren't ready or didn't show up on time. Um, and he was pretty much a bull against you guys, in my opinion. Uh, you know, that all being said, he, like I said, he never really found a line. And, you know, up until that trade, things were kind of gelling pretty well the way the roster was laying out. And once he came in, he just never really stuck with either Jack or Nico. Um, and that rolled into the playoffs. Now this year... He's also bounced between those two guys. We still don't have a top unit. Uh, Meyer, Hughes, Toffoli was looking pretty good for a while. Um, but more of that success came on the power play that at five on five. Um, you know, it seemed like he was going to be a perfect fit, and it, it hasn't gone that way. But given what we gave up in the trade and, you know, the opportunities to get an elite goal scorer like him, I mean, he did have 480 last season. He's been consistently a goal scorer. Uh, a 30-goal scorer his whole career. Um, so we expect him to perform that way. Um, but it looked better in the past, but I, I'm still confident that he's 
you know, going to be the player that we thought he was when we got him. I'm sure he will. It's just like, you can understand why looking from an outside perspective, like when, when he was acquired, it's like, fuck dude, this team's stacked for a very long time. And I look, I, I hate Jack Hughes, but I know how good he is. And I think Brad is also extremely good as well. And if one of one other piece just really starts running, that's when the devils get super dangerous, like incredibly dangerous. I think Nico, I don't know how fans feel about him these days. I think he kind of is what he is at this point. Maybe you tell me otherwise. He's a very good second center. Um, could be an upper echelon second center, but I'm not sure he's like this overall dominant force, like such as a. I, I think Brat and and Jack are miles ahead of him. Yeah, it's just a, a different type of play style. Real quick, one last note on on Meyer is it seemed like he was going to be that plug and play type guy, and it's just really kind of been anything but. Um, yeah, he still gets things done, but uh, it seemed like it was going to be a lot easier transition. Uh, on Nico versus Brett and Jack, it's just they're a different style of play. Jack and Brett can really skate around you, drive the offense, really be that engine that pushes you forward. But I think you know Nico is is one of the best in a two hundred foot game. Uh, I don't think the Selkie talk that he got last year or this year coming up is unwarranted. Um, I know a lot of you guys complained about the way that Mika showed up in the game in round one of last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with the way uh, Nico was on the other side of the puck against him. Uh, that's the kind of stuff is harder to quantify. It doesn't show up on the score sheet as much, but the dude put up 80 points last season. So I don't, yeah, I don't really good. get, I don't really get this is what he is. Saying. It seems like, what he is is a is a really fucking good hockey player. I think he's like um, I said, he's upper echelon second center, and Jack is like a, a, yeah, a I, top two player. <laughs> Ryan, I, I I I think you're taking a shit on Nico for some reason. No. I'd honestly I'd put Nico ahead of Brett. I just I think really? Nico I think Nico's a guy you build a team around in terms of like foundational pieces. I think he's the second most important devil. Well, this is why the devils are so scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I think you're sleeping on him. I'll, I'm not going to defend a lot of things the devils do because of that the fan base annoys me. Not you, Jeff. Not you. Not even Bear, but some people in that fan base. But yeah, you're. I think Nico's like a top five center. Bear roots for the Devils. What the hell? Oh yeah, yeah. We're. I'm going to a. I'm going to Devils Sabers with these bums on like Thanksgiving weekend. Wow, have fun seeing Patrick Kane. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, playing for the Devils. Uh, Jeff. Um, Don't put that evil on me. Oh, you put it on me, so I'm putting it right fucking back. I do want to talk to you. I, I, I want to talk depth about the Devils, but before I talk depth, I do want to talk Dawson Mercer. This was a guy that terrified me in the terms of, Jesus Christ, how do they find another one? I thought he was going to be that type of player and you can correct me if I'm wrong, quite like you and I just corrected Ryan, but my God, has he been quiet so far this year? Real quiet to start the year. I don't think he had a point in the first 10 games of the season. Over the last two weeks, I would say, the last three or four games, it's shown what I've expected from him. Um, he's gotten a few goals in that time. It's turning around, but it's a little bit slower. Um Definitely not what I wanted from him to start the year, but as far as like career progression, you know, the he put up like fifty and sixty points the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sorry, maybe that's like forty and fifty. But his whatever, Kako has two points it, right now. We're okay. Keep going. <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping that he's going to be that player again. You know, he's got a good pedigree with Hockey Canada. Um, like I said, really putting up the start 
uh, from his rookie year to his second campaign. Didn't even drop off. A little bit of a slow start now. He got dropped. He was pretty much on the on the top six last year alongside Nico um, for a good part towards the end of the season. And now in the third line role, he just really hasn't found a way to produce as much. Um, but I, I think he's shown something in the last two weeks that uh, the first 10 games was definitely lacking. Which brings me to my depth point. I think anybody, any sensible guy or gal, I should say, would have said the Devils have more high-end talent. Well, maybe not more high-end talent. If you combine the Devils and the Rangers rosters, Jack Hughes is probably the best forward. And I'm including Artemi Panarin when I say that. At the same time, the strength that the Rangers had going into this year that I thought was clear over the Devils and has been made clear with the fact that the Rangers haven't dropped. They've dropped one point in four games since Fox, Heedle, and Igor came out of the lineup. Whereas with the Devils, it just feels really shallow. And you need where Eric Gustafson is blowing up, coming in as a free agent. Luke Hughes is doing a fine job, but it still feels like the Devils are players short, both on the blue line and in their forward ranks. Are you at all concerned with the depth or lack thereof with the Devils as the season moves forward? I would like to see a little more consistency and cohesion defensively uh, across the board. Um, it's you know They brought in a new guy for Brunette, Brunette this year, but they didn't change anything on D, so that really shouldn't be too different. Um, I had like five points in my head that literally just fell out of it. Um, <laughs> Love that happens. Yeah, so the plan coming into the year was that the Devils were going to have – three elite, you know, deep lines um, that nobody would be able to match up with, but the, that would make up for the lack in defense with losing, losing Severson and losing Graves. And you bring in Colin Miller and you, Luke, you, Luke Hughes there for the entire year. And you're just going to get by on pure will and offense. And, you know, we're going to have the XG advantage. So we'll just run this simulation as many times as we can, get the puck back into the zone, our chances will be better than yours. Our finishers are going to be better than yours. And that's how we're going to win these hockey games. Now that they don't have as much offensive uh, depth, you know, you lose two of your top centers. Um, everybody ships down a peg. The guys that were previously being fed by those centers don't have the same opportunities. Brad has to have a bigger load. Um, so, you know, the forwards falter in that point where everybody's adapting to new line mates. You're still not as, depth, as deep as you are. You're facing harder defense. Um, and then on the defensive side, it just really hasn't come together at all. Um, Colin Miller was supposed to come in to be the sixth defenseman. That's not the case because he was injured in preseason, even though he looked terrible. Um, so I don't even know if when he comes back, he's going to be Brent, better than Brendan Smith. But, you know, the Rangers, D, to your point, is is very deep. Like, I think – you know, having to call up Zach Jones to replace Fox, Jones is probably giving you a better defensive effort across the board than Hughes and Smith, no matter what. Um, so that's surely you guys have, and it's shown throughout the season the way um, you guys really haven't missed a step with losing Fox. Um, I don't know what, else, what other point you want me to make. You guys are better. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we're depth. not asking for that. I think I, you guys be used to the playoffs. That's really kind of what matters here. And the one the one thing that really scares me about New Jersey is the two things if they end up fixing, 
is if Nemec comes up, which I don't know if there's any plans to bring him up this year. Um, he's obviously still a young defenseman. Young defensemen don't translate very well. And if if the Devils can find a way to like have one or two shutdown defensemen really hit in development the next two years, and a goalie gets hot, and that's kind of it, man. That's what you need to happen because the goalie tandem right now isn't looking so good. I think they were like second last in the league in goalie efficiency so far. I could be wrong. Uh, please correct me if I am, Jeff. But I was just looking through like random stats, Twitter, as you know, as you, as you as one just tend to do. But if either of those things really come true for the Devils, like the scoring and the playmaking was never going to be a problem. Everything was available for Jack Hughes, and if and once all those players come back, you're going to be incredibly dangerous. It's really if you can if you can hold the fort, you don't want to be outscored. Most of the time, you will. You, you will do the, the outscoring, but there, I, I do feel like you're going to be in a boat race a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. I think uh, that, that was kind of expected. As far as defensive depth, um, we have a lot of it. The unfortunate thing is the best prospects we have are kind of offensive-minded. So I don't really know if there's a shutdown-type-ish defenseman in the pipeline coming up. Um, we did get this guy, Hataka, in the Meyer trade that looked really good uh, in the preseason, but he got injured or is possibly still out. Um, But he's not like some stud prospect. He's just going to be a little more uh, solid defensively. Nemitz, I'm not sure if there's really a path for him to be called up. Like you said, his reinforcements are going to be more on the offensive side. He's he's got a better defensive game than Hughes, um, but he's not shutting anybody down by any means. He's going to just have the puck on his stick more, and that's how he's going to be more uh, beneficial to you defensively. Um, seems like any sort of depth that way is going to come via trade. Um, there's obviously rumors out there right now about Zadorov since he requested a trade out of Calgary. Um, you know, Fitz has obviously got a connection there after the Toffoli trade, so hopefully those lines of communication are still open. Um, I don't know if he's the best fit either. That could turn into a dumpster fire as well. Uh, but it would certainly be better than what we've got right now. Um, Ranger fans are pretty notorious for shitting on what we call bad contracts. So every year we talk about a contract pretty extensively. Jacob Truba was about two years ago. This year's uh, Berkeley Goodrow, the conundrum again whatsoever. Is there a bad contract that all Devils fans point to? I think the popular Twitter answer is definitely Palat. Um, a lot of people look at that $6 million a year and look at the the points that he's putting up and some of the efforts he has on a night to night basis. And they really don't like that one. Uh, especially since that was really the first one we had, I think even before Dougie came over, that was really like the big forward uh, splash that we made. Uh, Cause that was as good as we could do it at the time. But to all those fans, I just say to look at game seven of round one last year and see what you're paying a lot to do. Um, because anybody who's complaining about him come playoff time has, has really got to shut up. Jeff, the Rangers are through 14 games, 11, two and one. And I don't know if you've noticed or heard me when I mentioned that the last four games, they've been doing this without their two best players, Sans Panarin and no Phil Heedle down the middle. Your expectation going into this season was that you'd probably have to face the Rangers in the playoffs, but has your opinion of the Rangers shifted because of how hot the Rangers have started? I, I'm not going to say it's because of, you know, the number of games that they're winning. I think 
you know, one of my first texts to you in the preseason um, after the first game they played against the, the Devils was they just looked like a more cohesive unit, like uh, more, you know, single mindset. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. That was kind of lacking in years past. So um, that's certainly intimidating uh, to me, you know, I think you give yourself a little too much credit for being like, oh, we didn't have Igor when, you know, sometimes you just don't start him when he's healthy. So that's kind of a routine thing that you should be used to uh, facing. Obviously, long term, that would not work it out as well. Um, but you, you guys have certainly looked impressive. Um, Lavulette seems to have a, a great effect on the locker room. And like I said, everybody just pulling in the same direction. Um, so that's really uh, you know, the biggest change that I've seen from the way you guys looked in the playoffs versus what's happening right now. I'll I'll say this on the eager point. Yeah, obviously he gets nights off during the regular season and he's missed weeks before, but the Rangers haven't been relying on Jonathan Quick and Louis Domingue to pick up the slack when he's been gone before. Doesn't Quick have the only shutout of the season? (laughs) He Uh, does, yes, he does. (laughs) Not good stat drop. Goalie, come on. Yeah, and Louis Louis Domingue has the lowest uh, goals against average so far with the Rangers. If you want to go, if you want to go there, hey, I'm all for shitting on Igor. So keep keep him coming. <laughs> well, here's my here's here's my follow up question then, Jeff. What's it like being a Devils fan knowing that if the Rangers had the Devils goalies, they'd still have three better goalies? What? <laughs> The three goalies, the Ra- that was a bad question. Thank you for calling me out on my podcasting. Uh, I was going to wait. <laughs> the Devils, the Rangers have three better goalies than any of the goalies the Devils have. Your thoughts? I still don't think he got it out right. But <laughs> hey, all right, let me do this for you. Would you rather have Jonathan Quick playing for your team right now? No. Would you rather have Louis Domingue playing for your team right now? <laughs> no. All right, no, let's ask I, a real I, question. Oh, no, I'll I'll talk to the goalies because uh, Ryan, you brought it up before, and I kind of didn't. Uh, address it. I think what what Schmidt showed in the playoffs last year and what he's shown this year, he's looked like the better goalie than Vitek. So in terms of like the long-term future and who I think is going to be a net come playoff time, I think it's going to be Schmidt. Um, I think he's going to earn it. I think, you know, just Vitek doesn't have it. Um, You know, he got pulled the other night on two shots on five, um, two goals on five shots. Um, And Lindy gave him the hook real quick. And then we almost came back. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll get some depth there. I still don't, you know, the, the Hellebuck thing came off the table once he signed the long-term deal. Um, you know, there's talk of Soros or maybe even Flurry if, if the wild fall off. Um, I don't think any of those is going to be the, the real key to success. I, I think the vibes are going to be good enough and, and Schmidt can bring enough to the table um, goaltending-wise. So let's get to the the meat and potatoes of why you're actually here. What are you expecting for this game on Saturday? They're, now the, now you guys play, I think it's on Thursday versus Pittsburgh. Is that correct? And then the Rangers on Saturday? Yeah, we have Winnip- at Winnipeg tomorrow. Away, at, right? Yeah. At Pittsburgh on Thursday. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been up on the tweets today, but it, Lindy said that Jack is looking to join the team in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play that night, but it certainly seems as he's going to be involved in some sort of practice activities. Uh, or else I don't know why he would make the trip unless Luke is just real homesick and, and needs his brother there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but just there's a possibility that Jack will be back on Saturday night. And, you know, knowing how much he loves playing against the Rangers, I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes himself to do so. 
so the team could look completely different. And um, I'm having my fingers crossed it'll be back by then. And I'll have something better to cheer for on the ice than what I saw the other night. Adam Fox will not be rushing himself back. Um, and neither will Filipino if we have no news for it at all. Ryan Lindgren might be there, but we don't know at this point. Um, I'm sort of expecting the Rangers, like, like you said uh, at the beginning of this, or, or maybe you said before we were on air, uh, the Rangers don't play all week. And for the fact, I think that's going to sort of favor the Devils, that they're going to kind of come in with the rust factor where the Devils have been playing all week. Does that make sense or am I stupid? You I think early, you're always stupid, but Thank I you. think early in the season, the rest doesn't help you as much as it would like leading into the playoffs where you're really, I mean, obviously you guys are injured in many aspects, um, but as far as the bumps and bruises that guys are taking, it's not really as bad as it is uh, at the end of the year. I assume this is all me talking is purely a fan. Um, hopefully, and, you know, especially when things are going good for you, you're, you're on a hell of a run right now. Uh, you kind of want to get on the ice again and, and play that next game and, and get another win. You don't really want to be sitting around uh, just anticipating the next one. Meanwhile, on the other side, the Devils, not things aren't going great, and they get a few games to try and figure it out before they see you. So um, hopefully that's an advantage for the Devils, but um, could be bullshit also. Is there something happening in the Metropolitan Division that has shocked you so far this year? Like, obviously nobody expected the Rangers to be in the position they are in after 14 games, but everything else equal. Is there anything else happening in this division from your perspective that's making you go, oh, that's interesting? I think it's kind of interesting just how many games Carolina has dropped so far to start the season. There's just a, a, a few results where I'm like, oh, they lost they lost that one, um, where, which is something we don't really see from them in, in the past few years. They seem to bring it every night um, and really not give up much during the regular season. So in terms of the race for the top, obviously you guys have a, a heck of a head start right now, but it doesn't uh, seem like Carolina is particularly interesting and challenging for that, um, at least yet. Maybe that's a Tony D'Angelo effect. Maybe it's just, you know, the the message isn't working as much from Rod in the room, but uh, I'm sure they're going to bring it eventually. But that's certainly been something that surprised me in the division to start the year. Looking at the goal differential for the entire division is really hilarious as well, because if you take away the Penguins beating of the Sharks 10-2 or whatever that was, no one's really above like three except for the Rangers uh, and everyone else is sort of minus. So it is like everyone's sort of been playing not their most optimal hockey just yet, except the Rangers being red hot. And then it is a long season. There's We're not even a, a fourth of the way through. So there's still so much more hockey to be played. Yeah, I think you see that in the, in the points too, because compare our division with others around, along the league and, you know, I think we don't have anybody over 16 points, whereas other divisions have, you know, sometimes two or three. Um, or besides the Rangers, I mean. Um, so yeah, it's, that's it's a little surprising. Really close. We, we expect it to be a real gauntlet. And, you know, you've had a West heavy um, schedule to start your year. Devils have played a bunch from the West. Played the loss of the Caps twice. It's fucking stupid shit. Um, <laughs> that was pretty frustrating. <laughs> I think the Caps are bad, but they don't. They have a good record so far. We, well, like I said, they they beat us twice. We don't match up well with them at all. I don't think we beat them very well last year um, either. When we when we were crushing people a little bit more, um, so ho- hopefully I'm just chalking it up to that, and they're not actually good because that that roster is not particularly great. Six two and two. Um, before we we end this little segment here, Jeffy, do you have any thoughts on the Connor McDavid uh, situation going on currently? With and just I guess the Edmonton Oilers in general. 
I just don't see how it ever gets resolved. Um, I guess the, the simple answer is they'll just wait out that contract and go somewhere else as a free agent. But for the time being, they just they have they're too weak in, in too many areas of the ice. They just don't have the depth, and you can't generate that stuff overnight. Um, I don't know how many pieces it will get take for them to like compete with a team like Vegas. Um, but it seems like they're, they're a way away and it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they handle things from now on. Cause the coach wasn't the issue. I don't know. I don't think anybody thought it was. No, it was probably the contracts <laughs> and the players on the team and the goaltending and the, the depth outside of like three dudes. It's probably what that was. Yeah. I mean, you know, people will complain about the cap to, to all ends and it just makes me all the more thankful the way the devil's cap is structured because the contract that guys are taking, it's really made it helpful to, to sign guys elsewhere. Hopefully it's going to go up and give us more space. You guys have disgusting amount of value contracts. It is hard to look at. Um, Gregory, any other questions for our dear friend? No, I'm just upset. Code. I sang it in when rookie of the year. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, you should be. There's I'm money sorry. on the line for this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who I had three. I, uh, Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. I had Corbin Carroll was a lock, dude. What are you talking about? It's the fifth time in Major League Baseball history that both rookies of the year are unanimous. Can either of you? Ooh, you want to do some fun BSP trivia? Sure. Can either of you name the other years in which the rookies of the year were unanimous? Was it the A Rod year? No. Nineteen fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> it was it both none. Since 1987, 1993, 1997, 2017. That was way off. 2017? Yeah. You should know this one, buddy. I should. This is good podcasting. This, oh, is, what, this, is, where we, this is where we butter that bread, baby. I have, like, I, have, I have no shot, so don't ask me. 2017 was Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge. Oh, yeah. That makes 1997, sense. 1997, Scott Rowland and Nomar Garcia Parra. Wow. 1993, Mike Piazza and Tim Salmon. And Salmon, man. 1987, Benito Santiago and Mark McGuire. Unbelievable. There you go. You Jeff, guys, if you got anything from this interview, it's that it's factoid. Jeff, we have another 40 minutes of podcasting after this. So I <laughs> that's already recorded. But Is I it just you. Greg reading the rest of the rookie of the year? <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's just uh, we call it Greg reading baseball reference. Stay tuned. <laughs> Did you know the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles were called the Baltimore Browns first? It's crazy. <laughs> they call. Do you know what they call Burger King Hungry Jacks in the UK? That makes no sense. Oh, uh, I think have you seen Australia. the? Have you seen the oh, Swedish the ending to Finding Dory? Dory? No. Yeah. So the end in Swedish is just slut. So that's all that comes up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's pronounced differently, but I like yeah. my version. Slutte something. All right, uh, Jeff. T- <laughs> good, no, no, let's stop. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I, no, I know there's nothing you want to plug, but I have to ask. No, there's nothing I want to plug. Uh, I'll see you guys on Saturday, I guess. Sounds good, man. We'll talk, we'll chit chat. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jeff. Talk soon. Bye. And we're back. Okay, five star questions. We want to read those out. If you want to leave a five star question, you can join our Patreon, which has been booming of recently. We've had a lot of new members. Thank you for joining. You get BSBOTs, add free episodes, and a bunch of stuff like that. But on our Discord, wow, take a take a dump on all the extra podcasts I do. I do like seven podcasts a week, bro. Uh, they, I didn't take a dump. Yeah, that was your job. You, you nice plug, Greg. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gina Gina's theme this week, by the way, was simply choosing 
of the of the team matchups, which quarterback was most attractive? Did she do well? Yeah, she's got nine wins this week. Are you kidding me? She's a savant. I've I've never seen anything like it before in my life. That's really sickening. Um, if you want to leave a five star question, leave a Discord five star question channel, etc. Um, all right, this is from David. It's of course about the Mets. What would kill Greg first, the Mets winning a World Series or the new Steve Cohen Hard Rock right next to City Field? Again, the Mets winning a World Series. I can, it's not even, it's guys. Not even I, I've been to enough casinos in my life where a casino is not going to kill me, even with its proximity to a Met game. I think people think we're kidding when I say the words. If the Mets win a World Series, I'm dead the next day. This isn't a joke. No, it's not. I a just, joke. I Don't know, call, I won't call anybody. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying I'm not gonna kill myself. I just know how my body is and how my body works. Chance of failure is high. I yeah, mean. my heart's gonna go out. My brain is going to tell the rest of my organs. Well. He always said this is the one thing he wanted to see so we don't have to work anymore and they're going to take a vacation and that vacation is going to send me six feet under. Uh, next question is from Dylan Penderson 31. Greg, which is your favorite or sorry, least favorite civilization to play and why is it Georgia? Ooh, I, I forgot about this question. Uh, it's not Georgia. It's Poland. Because the only way to really win with Poland is through religion and I think that's the most boring way to win. I agree. Um, I've played Civ Five a lot in the past. And I haven't played a lot of Civ Six, but I agree. Oh, uh, I've, I've been on a, I've been on a tear with it because they finally introduced new characters, new oh, leaders. Nice. A lot that's of Abe Lincoln in my life. A lot of Abe. This is from Brettley. There's no way in hell the Rangers win both games against the Sharks. Is there? No, they'll probably lose one. Oh, uh, did you see the highlight? First of all, first uh, of all, Sharks beat the Oilers. That yeah, awesome. I'm so upset they beat the Flyers first, though. Like, yeah, I really wanted them to go into that game winless and then do exactly what they did. The Oilers. I don't really stay up late for West Coast games. And I this is one of the ones I had to stay up for. Did I you did stay up for it? Did you see the highlight of the goal against the Sharks yesterday when yeah. <laughs> Vla- Vla- Vlasic flailed for a fly ball and the goalie assumed Vlasic was going to hit it? So he didn't move. It went right behind him. Oh, Amazing. God, Amazing. What, a, what a Quint- team. What an organization. Quint- Swagger. Uh, this is from David New York Fact. As Panarin's Kof game? C-O-I-F? Kofi? What is that? Uh, I uh, believe that's in reference. Like, Koif? I think that's hair. Sure. Oh, okay. Koif game has evolved towards Buchnevich. His flow replaced by Van Dyke. His production and domination has spiked. Can we launch a Mika Shave Your Head for Charity billboard? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Sorry, buddy. The flow's too good. Flow's yeah, too good. and again... I know I went, we did a big rant last week about how you need to break up Zibanejad and Kreider, and maybe you still do, though Kreider's so playing good. completely so fine good. without so Zibanejad. I do think, I just, again, with Zibanejad, every time he goes into these slumps, to me the only thing that gets him out of these slumps is by shooting more. And we've seen it enough now where him doing that does get him out of these slumps and get him going. But th- I don't know, this one, some about this one feels different, and I don't know if it's because the rest of the team around him is playing so well that it seems to be sticking out like a sore thumb. But this, I will say this slump feels different. I can't really pinpoint why, but this one, the other ones I I haven't, I'd say my concern level never approached four. I'm like six and a half where I think something's up and I don't know what it is. That's fair. This is from Cole. Has Mika moved from his 
quote unquote new dad strength era to this quote unquote no dad sleep era. Hey, that has affected his five v five play. Uh, that someone else is- again. I I love that we. I, I, these are being said in good fun. I'm not accusing anyone of actually thinking Mika Zibanejad being a good dad is why he's no longer a good hockey player. But it's it. funny, and I think it's there for people if you want to take it. Makes sense. Uh, this is from Jack Rogan, or I think it's Jack G. Rogan, 25. Is it finally time to admit that Benoit is genuinely a wizard? When goalies come to the Rangers, it's like they get a boost in five overalls. Uh, he's a wizard. Like, what else do you, we've been talking about it for years. He gets a standing ovation for MSG at opening night. He's the goalie coach. <laughs> no, no other goalie coach gets a standing ovation. Oh, I promise you. Who? It's just him. Okay. Fun game. Fun rabbit hole here. Can you think of another specialty coach in any other sport revered as much as Benoit Allaire? I can think of who, one. Who was the former, uh, or is it the pitching coach? Yeah, uh, Leo Mazzoni for yeah. for those dynamite uh, Braves teams. Who's the former hitting coach for the Yankees? The fact that I can't think of his name is, is killing me. Former? like I think he's the hitting coach for the Phillies now. Phillies oh, Kevin Long? Yes. Yeah, he was also the 2015 Mets hitting coach? That's correct. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Long, I don't know. He bounces around too much where something's wrong. He was – Kevin he Long – He does fix people. I know. He won a World Series with the Nationals in 2019. This guy just finds excellence everywhere he goes. At the same time, I feel like if he was really that special, someone would have locked him down. Unless he's For a mercenary and he just says every year I'm going to go take the highest paying job I can find. Which is good for him. Yeah, but Mazzoni's the one that comes to mind because every time – it's it's almost like the Mets ran out of nice things to say about Maddox, Clavin, and Smoltz, so they needed to find somebody else, and they didn't want to talk about Bobby Cox, so they would just cut to Leo Mazzoni rocking on the bench every night being like, that guy's a genius. And I it made an impression on me because nine-year-old Greg thought that's what genius looked like. I couldn't tell you anything Isaac Newton was doing in 1998 in my life, but I know Leo Mazzoni was making great pitchers. Next question from Zangarang. It's very long, but I'm going to just kind of read the, the too long didn't read notes of it, which is could the Rangers possibly bring back the wingers that did work with Mika and Kreider, a.k.a. Butcher Vitrano? Did you notice last week there seemed to be a why don't we go out and get Frank Vitrano buzz building? Yes, because he's fucking awesome this year. <laughs> like he's scoring in, in bunches. And when he was here, he was a he was a pure shooter. It's what we loved about Frank Vitrano. He didn't meet a puck. He didn't like to shoot and he was good at it. And because of that, uh, he played really well with Mika Zvidojad and Kreider. And I, I would love to go out and get him. He's just he's not going to work with the cap. Yeah, he's making nearly $4 million a year for this year and next year. I also, again, I it's not that I dislike Frank Vitrano. I just think you can find Frank Vitrano anywhere. And the Rangers probably have one in their system. And his name is Brennan Othman. Next, yeah, I agree. This is from Jay White. I like this question a lot. What's one thing that has surprised you so far this season? It doesn't have to be Rangers related. I'm kind of surprised how often I think about how things look different on the Rangers, despite almost nothing changing. Like the team is mostly the same and yet everything feels and looks different on the ice. And that's a credit to the coaching staff top to bottom. On the Rangers. Yeah. I'd say Laviolette is getting more out of all the same pieces because Outside of Gustafson, the pieces Drury brought in this year kind of just blended in. Like Blake, I mean, we Blake Wheeler's yep. not doing a ton. Pitlick has played half the games. 
Benino's been fine, but I don't think he's doing anything on a nightly basis where I go, man, I'm happy Nick Benino is here. Uh, I'll say Jonathan Quick has surprised me. And I think the other thing about Quick that has surprised me is not only is he playing well, is for the longest time, I never considered Jonathan Quick a nemesis in my life. I am very vocal about people who have wronged my sports teams and how much I hate them. I will kill Chase Utley at some point in time. That <laughs> is <laughs> This is how Chase Utley's story ends with a note on Wikipedia about me doing 25 to life. Allegedly, I, I, don't call anybody. <laughs> Allegedly, don't call anybody. Fine. But I, I, make my, I make my enemies clear, and I never really felt like I made an enemy from that Kings team. Sometimes you just... I never made an enemy from that Royals. I hate Eric Hosmer. I take that back. Fuck that guy. But I I mostly hate Eric Hosmer because of how people talk about Eric Hosmer and not that he wronged the Mets in 2015. Um, But with Jonathan Quick, I never felt any adversity or anger towards him. But now I catch myself wanting to say something nice about Jonathan Quick and the way he's playing. And every time I go, ah, kind of fuck that guy. And I think that that has surprised me. I didn't know I kind of hated Jonathan Quick. <laughs> he did. I, I said I hate him. I hate his ass. I, I, nev- I never thought I hated him. And now I, I literally open up Twitter to say something nice about Jonathan Quick. And every time I feel like I have to couch it by saying, fuck now him. I hate him. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck him a little bit. Now I hate him. But he is 4-0-1 on this team, and Benoit Lair is a goddamn wizard. This I should have known I had these feelings about Jonathan Quick when we did the good hangs draft, and I said the meanest things possible about how I'd draft Jonathan Quick just so I could make fun of him all the time. Um, and here we are. And here we are. But, yeah, every time he does – he made so many saves last night. Saves that if Igor made them, I could simply type, love this man, Igor, blah, blah, blah. Any of the 20 things all of us say about Igor – Quick was doing them, and each time I wanted to tweet, go fuck yourself a little bit. I, 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 I really don't like you. I mean, this is crazy. He's been excellent. Uh, and honestly, if he doesn't win another game this year, he's already provided more value than I thought he would. Yeah. Which is nice. What else can you ask? Uh, this is from David. Uh, is oh, Another question from David. Is the new hope for slash ceiling for a laugh to become Brad Marchand? No. No, he's he's more offensively talented than Brad Marchand can be. And he's, he's not, not he's not he's not as much of a pest as Brad Marchand. Yeah, Brad Marchand is he, the yeah, you you, you I, it's it's not because he can't do anything offensively that Brad Marchand is doing, but that is a generational level of hater from Brad Marchand that needs to be a hater. Yeah, but he does it in such a funny way, where he's he's the prototypical guy of. I kind of fucking hate him, but if he was a ranger, he'd be my favorite ranger. I, my favorite thing to say about Brad Marchand is if he was a ranger, I'd have, I'd have his face on my back as a back tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's how much I would love him if he was a ranger. If if Brad Marchand, the ranger, licked the face of somebody on the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'd be talking about it every day of my life. Not just on the podcast. I'd go to work and be introduced to a new coworker, and they would ask, Greg, can you say one interesting thing about you? I'd be like, yeah, let me tell you about the time New York Ranger Brad Marchand licked some dude's face. That would be my interesting thing about me. 
Uh, this next question is from the Drop PK. Everyone was mad when we let Jesper Fast walk and the team didn't pay him. He now makes $2.4 million at AAV. That's because they could have paid Fast instead of Goodrow, by the way. Kapokako could be argued to play a similar game with a higher ceiling at 2.1 AAV. Is this the perfect example when Greg says we should be looking for the next player, insert player here? No, um, no. because Kapokako needs to be better than Jesper Fast. Jimmy VC is the perfect example of... This is why yeah. you don't pay Jesper Fast because you can just go find Jimmy VC and somehow give him a three-year deal for less than a million dollars. Yes. It's, it's, uh, the Jimmy VC thing is crazy. He's so good. Uh, Eric Gustafson's also a perfect reason of why you don't pay Jesper Fast. But I also, true. the Eric Gustafson stuff, well, one day it's going to come out that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that guy didn't get a multi-year deal and millions of dollars. I think the cap was tight and Laviolette called him and was like, I'm in. You in? I was like, yep. I'll get you a big contract after this. Don't worry. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he, he's uh, gone. He, he, got, he gone. Uh, this is from Billy Zebra looking for work. Oh, Blind Zebra looking for work. Yeah. Like, oh, I get it. Is the ref. Okay. Clearly, Edmonton decided they need McDavid's vibes back up. So out goes Woodcroft and in comes Knobloch. Does this work? Do they now beat us for the cup? Because I've decided I've been a Rangers fan long enough to know how this works. Question mark. <laughs> no, because here's the thing: they're not going to. Doesn't too, matter who the coach playoff. is if you don't have any goalies. Yes, like I, I don't know why all the like I know Dom is like was taking bets, so Dom from the Athletic and stuff like that. Like, yeah, the Edmonton Oilers will still make the playoffs, guys. I don't know. I don't know. The West is bad. That's the the West is working. yeah. The West is bad, so that's working in the Oilers' favor. But they don't have a goalie, and they don't have money to go get one. So that's important, I feel like. Where I don't think the Islanders are any fucking good, but they still have Sorokin. So I can't write them off on any given night. No, they're scary when Sorokin's in net. Doesn't matter who else is playing in front of him. He could just win the game on his own. And again, this isn't just us saying their goalies have been bad. Their goalies have been worse than the San Jose Shark goalies. They have been the worst collection of goalies the NHL has ever seen to this point. So... I and McDavid apparently is playing hurt, which is why his game is taking a slip. So you need McDavid to get healthy while playing, which isn't going to happen, and you need to magically shit a goalie out, which isn't going to happen. So no, I think McDavid's going to be happier playing for Chris Knobloch for sure. I don't think Chris Knobloch is taking Benoit Allaire with him and is going to turn Stuart Skinner into the second coming of even Alexander Georgiev. Can we? What's crazy about the Oilers is that the two teams they really have to worry about preventing them from making the playoffs is the Ducks and possibly the Blues or Coyotes. That's insane. Like if the, or if the Kraken can get it together, the Flames are a fucking mess. Oh, but, oh, and the and players want out of Calgary too. Yes, they are a mess. So that that's the only reason. Like if this if the Oilers were in the East, say goodbye. The year's over, guys. Yeah. Uh, but but unfortunately, they're fortunately for them rather they're in the West and they could turn it around if they can find everything that works out. Which that's a big if. Connor McDavid's so good that he can drag a team over an eighty-two game season into the playoffs, but they're not going to win a series unless they find a goalie. Uh, this is from Michael Sane eight one six. That's wrong. Uh, rate these five New York New York rather. Free agent signings are Tammy Panarin, Carlos Beltran, CeCe Zabathia, Garrett Cole, and Jalen Brunson. This is a great question. This is tough. I thought about this the other day. This is hard. Um, in fact, I thought about it so much. Let me pull it up so I'm staring at the question, too. I'll let you go okay. first. I'm going to just go, go gut here. Um, I, I don't think we have enough evidence on Jalen Brunson just yet. Um, 
and I'm going to put him last. And that's not me spiting Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's incredible. So Jalen Brunson five, I think I would have. <sighs> Boy, I I think Cole is better than Sabathia, but Sabathia produced. Yeah, he got a he got a ring. Yep. So I think I go Beltron four. Please don't kill me. Oh, you're dead to me. Okay. Um, Cole Panarin Sabathia. <laughs> I think That's Cole. Hard. I think Cole is actually fifth because the Yankees have gotten worse around him. He's been good though, man. I know, but he the Yankees be. have gotten worse around him. Whereas Brunson coming in, the Knicks were a laughing stock, and in Fair. fact, we're getting made fun of for the Brunson contract. And Brunson played so well; it's elevated the reputation of the Knicks. The New York Knicks have a better reputation because of Jalen Brunson. I think that puts Brunson ahead of Cole. I think Beltron is third. I think Sab- I think Sabathia is number one. He is. He got the ring. He got the ring, dude, and he pitched really well. Um, and Panarin's two. Yeah, I think Panarin's two. Panarin's I think incredible. you. I think you make an interesting argument that Beltron could be two because the Rangers got to a game seven in a championship series where the Rangers only got to a game six. Panarin's also just been. He's like a heart. Candidate multiple times. He's like 90 points guaranteed. Yeah. I know Beltron was really good. I, I mean, you can make an argument Beltron should have won MVP in 2006, so I'm not going to make that Fair. argument because Albert okay. Pujols is ridiculous like that. Also, I, uh, Beltron and Pedro Martinez were, again, you have to remember where the Mets were when those guys signed. The Mets in 2004 were a fucking joke. Um, they were managed by Art fucking Howe, and they were terrible. And ba- the Mets, the one thing, when the Wilpons had fake money from Bernie Madoff, the one nice thing they did is said, we would like to not suck anymore. We need to reimagine what this organization is. So they went out and signed Pedro Martinez and Carlos Beltran, and it changed the image of the Mets around the league, which led to 2006, in which the Mets should have won a World Series, and then they didn't. And then the Wilpons went poor because Bernie Madoff told them, by the way, all that money I told you you had, you don't have it any. Fake. It's fake. It's fake. Um, it's fake. <laughs> but I, you can make a compelling argument Beltran should be too, because here's the other thing. Beltran's going to get in the Hall of Fame one day, and he's probably going to be wearing a Mets hat. Maybe we'll be bench manager as well. Let's find out. Oh, I would love that. But I no, uh, no fucking chance he's a bench coach. Because the Mets bench coach has to be someone that's not stealing the attention away from Carlos Mendoza. That's fair. This is from KBOM30. The Rangers have played well enough without have played well without Fox, Igor, and Heedle, but are we starting to see the carriage turn back into the pumpkin? I don't, I don't, I don't see any signs yet, my friend. I, I mean, yeah, it sucks to play without Adam Fox, but even if they lose, like... Let's go ahead and say they lose against New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. The, the New York Rangers are playing without their okay. two most important players and Phil Heedle, who is another very important player and a foundational piece for this organization. Um, they're not going to continue to be 3-0-1 in successive four-game stretches. I don't – but they're also not necessarily doing anything I don't think is – I don't think is unsustainable without these guys. If anything – Power play one is, it's not like power play one is producing as if Fox is gone. It has struggled each of the last two games. So it's clear that the Rangers aren't playing as well as they were when everyone was healthy. The difference is some guys are still playing incredibly well and the system the Rangers have in place is still working. So you can sustain for a short period of time. But if the Rangers tried to play an 82 game season with this roster, they would not finish with as many points as an 82-game season with Fox, Igor, and Heel. That's, you know, we're not breaking news there. 
This is from uh, someone asked, is laugh him? I don't know. I'm going to find out, but I'm really enjoying it. This is from Remy. Uh, do you guys prefer, let me say, at least say the person's name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's a supporter. Miss, Miss, Mr. Bang Bang is laugh him. Okay, cool. Uh, this is from Remy. Do you guys prefer to win a game like Thursday against Minnesota, more dominant with the exception of the second? an easier to see win or a game like tonight against Columbus, the odds are stacked against the team, true edge of your seat cedar, arguably more satisfying than when we escape with two points. I can't believe we've gone uh, like uh, recording 59 million minutes of this podcast. And we didn't talk about the refs one time. <laughs> that feels impossible. Well, no, that means we're maturing because the refs had a bad night, but I'm not, I'm not buying into the conspiracy theory. Here's the thing. Gary Bettman is employed by employed in part by James Dolan. Now, they might hate each other for sure, but Bettman, even he's not that stupid. Um, There's no grand conspiracy that the NHL doesn't want. Because here's the other thing, Ryan. When the Rangers are good, everybody makes more money, and I think everybody understands that. Nobody is out there. The the broke owners of the Arizona Coyotes aren't sitting in their hotel room on any given night saying something along the lines of, man, if only we could stick to the Rangers so I could stay poor. Like, that's not a conversation happening. I, the, the, it's good for the league when the Rangers are good. The refs had a horrible night last night. One of the worst performances I've ever seen. Took nine minutes to review a goal that was in and they went, wow, whatever. (laughs) Not a goal. Unions unions are great. Unions are responsible for so many positive things in this country. And we've seen so much good work in recent times here. Angel Hernandez. (laughs) I I just, I want to talk to the guys that run the referee and umpire unions. We're like, come on guys. Just, I just want to, I just want to know how it's good for them. (laughs) I really do. I want to, I want to, I want to be able to understand. I'm not even criticizing. I need them to sit me down and I need them to tell me how a couple bad actors still being employed is actually helping them. Uh, yeah, so this is also from Blind Zebra. I think I'm not quite understanding. Can you explain to me what a goal, what is a goal and not a goal, and what an elbow to a face is and what is not elbow to a face? Well, my thing is, how do we not have goal line technology? This isn't that hard. Ten- no, the, the World Cup uses it. Tennis uses it. Tennis, tennis is – I don't know how – I, honest to God, do not know how the science works with tennis, where they can see where these balls hit, leave a mark on a virtual screen, and be like, in, out. And they challenge the U.S. Open – Every call is correct because they just they'll, – they'll sh- fucking pull it up and they'll show you. And it's great. It's wonderful. All the calls are correct. And the World Cup, the technology isn't perfect, but it's better than guesstimation, which is what the NHL does. Here's the thing. You couldn't see the puck. I couldn't see the puck. The ref couldn't see the puck. The goalie couldn't see the puck. The Rangers thought they saw the puck, and when the goalie moved, the puck was in the back of the net. I don't know how you review all that video and go, well, I would have blown my whistle earlier had I possibly maybe kind of thought about blowing it earlier, and we didn't know where the puck was then. So I will say Sam Rosen Sam Rosen crushed last night. Did you Were you watching the he MSG awesome. broadcast? Yes, I was. He was. His line of being like, can't scratch your helmet there, buddy. I... I spit take. I, it's the funniest thing an announcer has said all goddamn year. <laughs> He's like, I, you can't scratch your helmet. That, that's not how this works. And he also had lines when he, he was legitimately hurt by the Rangers' decision on Jacob Truba. He, him saying that's not right broke my heart. He's like, my grandpa said it's not right. We can't do it. <laughs> crazy. Uh, this has been a, a really long five-star question. we got two more here. Um, three more, actually. Paner- Paneranoid Android. So Panarin, Hedo, and Lafreniere worked, and then some. And Panarin, Trocek, and Lafreniere didn't skip a beat. So considering it looks like Trocek and Hedo are interchangeable, 
with those two, do you consider reuniting Heedle with Kako when Heedle returns to hopefully spark Kako Kako's offensive game? They've worked well together in the past. Cooley, Heedle, Kako could be a very effective third line. I think that's a very reasonable take. I I would like to play Kako with Heedle yet again. They they obviously have rapport and chemistry together. Yeah. I don't see why I wouldn't give it a shot. I mean, we talked about this earlier in the podcast that you seemingly forgot about. Um, I just throw it out there again. I I think it'd be, I think putting Heedle immediately back on that second line to allow him to get hot is more important than hoping Heedle and Kako get hot at the same time. Tom Ertz asked a question about worried about Savannah but we talked about that a lot. And then this is from Dan from LI. Um, because it's Henrik Lundqvist retirement ceremony day, and good good for Hank. Uh, I saw somebody, I think it was Prez, Palms for Prez, called it Thanksgiving. Respect, nice. Why is this happening in season and it not during be, the All-Star break? It should be when there's no games, and it should just be like Henrik Lundqvist day. It should I be in the summer when nothing's fucking happening. And or shouldn't we be able to watch Henrik Lundqvist play hockey like he did last night? I'm sure it was shown in Canada. <laughs> okay. Well, I would like to watch him play. Apparently, he was very good. While but, we're shitting on know, the NHL, so hold on. Let me finish shitting on them in this way. Why well, is this not happening during the summer, and why is this not happening during All-Star Weekend, where none of us are watching All-Star Weekend? Give us a reason mm-hmm. to watch All-Star Weekend. Have the fucking Hall of Fame ceremonies during All-Star Weekend. That will get people to watch. And, by the way, less competition for TV screens at that point in time for a random week in January than it is for a Monday in November where the Bills are playing on Monday Night Football. Who the fuck's going to watch? Anyway, uh, second, why, Ryan? Why? (laughs) Why? Why? Did the NHL put Connor Bedard up against 1 o'clock football games yesterday? That felt stupid, didn't it? It sure did. Bedard is the biggest thing, not Ned McDavid currently. Uh, he's a, clearly a draw, and he's a very exciting young prospect who is obviously he's honestly performing up to his name so far. And yet here we are. I just zone, maybe I I don't understand. I, I it was funny to me when all of Canada was tweeting about Connor Bedard on my timeline, and all of America was tweeting about C.J. Stroud. Like you're not gonna win, man. I don't know what to tell you guys at this point. If you want to pander to Canada and you want to put a game on at 1 o'clock and you don't want to grow this game domestically here in the United States, keep putting your best, youngest, most interesting player, who, by the way, was going up against Matthew Kachuk, one of your best, most interesting American players, put that game some other fucking time. Like, literally any other time. You're just not... You're not going to beat the NFL. You're not going to do it. Nobody... Here's here's how I know you're not going to beat the NFL. We follow a lot of Knicks fans. I didn't realize the Knicks were even playing at noon until halftime. Yep. I didn't realize it was one of those weird Sundays where, and again, uh, the the laugh I got out of um, Bear Valley, Spath, they were all over for football. And I had to explain to them that the Rangers are going to not play for five straight days. But the one day they will play is a day in which the Knicks also have a home game at noon. So they have to do an entire changeover. It boggles the mind, the schedule makers that make the schedule. But like the Knicks do that because it becomes a spectacle for in-person fans in New York. You get to do the MSG doubleheader. It's great. There there wasn't football going on at 1 o'clock in New York. It was the perfect day for New York to do that. I wouldn't recommend that happening anywhere else. But in New York, it was fine. Why? What? You're not growing the game by burying your star. Colts, Patriots, one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life, still 
more tantalizing than a one o'clock hockey game. You're not beating football. Stop going up against football. This isn't that hard. It you, you just lose every time you do this. Uh, NHL property or whatever ownership is up like twenty two percent this year again. Awesome uh, in value. Great, good for them. Uh, it could be up more. Question, do they the know question, it could be up more? They don't. The question from Dan is, uh, what is Lundqvist's best game? Ugh. He says, I personally think Game 7 versus Pittsburgh in 2014. He's probably correct. There's a couple games versus Montreal that year as well. Now, Montreal doesn't have Carey Price, but he wins, like, I think he wins the, the clinching game is one nothing. pretty sure. It's This is one of those questions where he has so many that... What's the one they, where he does, like, a 360 spin and makes the... <laughs> it's with the blocker when he's upside down. Oh, yeah. I that's mean, that's his best save. It's the one I see all the time. <laughs> Best game's tough. I I mean, I don't know what Jacob deGrom's best game was, but I remember the time uh, I was on a date with a girl in Savannah, really trying to impress this girl. And the I was trying to impress her so much that I kind of let her pick what we did on the date. And needless to say, Ryan, I did not like what we were doing. It was not fun. And it was the same night deGrom struck out the first eight batters he faced against the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And all I can tell you is we did not end up dating, and that's all I can remember about that girl. That I, I, I missed the day Jacob DeGrom struck out the first eight Marlins. And then he gave up a fucking hit to the pitcher. That That's the most <laughs> Met thing that's ever happened. A lot of, it's one of no, the it's most not. Met things. It's, it's one of the most Met things to ever yeah, happen. But yeah, uh, I, I don't... I, very hard. Yeah, my answer is any Game 7, any of them, because he won them all. So I don't know which one you want me to pick. Um, yeah, pick one. Yeah, I, I, God, it's weird. I there there were just so many great ones. Whereas I will always remember Alexander Georgiev's best game because it's his Come only on. one. It's his only one. It's your shot. It's a lot easier to pick best games when it's a random player and it's very clear what it is. When it, like if you ask me to pick Igor Shostakovich's best game, I got no fucking idea. I got one. It's uh versus it's versus the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs where he does that saucer pass to hit Kreider and Zavenajad to score after like making some incredible saves. That's his best game. Sure, I I believe you. He's just he's another guy where it's gonna he's gonna end his career with so many great games. I'm not gonna be able to pick his best one. Yep. You're right. All right, this has been a, a very long Blueshirts Breakaway. So you can follow us on Twitter at Orami Blueshirts Break. We'll be back with a BSBOT later this week. But that with no game, by the way. Well, I don't know what we're going to do on OT. Send us, send, us, send us some ideas on Twitter. Um, merch sales, if you guys are interested, why not us t-shirts on sale? La- who's laughing now? Appropriately made two and a half years ago and actually um, makes sense now. So there you go. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, churchcaco.com. Greg, anything else? Um, nope. Gambling with Greg returns on Wednesday. Cool, cool, cool. I think I'm, unless the Mets make a signing, I'm not doing any other podcast this week. And, uh, That'll be interesting. The my level of elation or depression, depending on what Yamamoto decides to do, is going to be telling. Uh, I, I oh, to the Dodgers, right? Oh yeah, Vin and I both said Dodgers. Vin and I, we did do it back in the New York Groove last week, where we predicted where the top twelve free agents go. Got it. Oh, that's fun. So take a listen to that, everybody, and we'll talk to everybody soon. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. This is part where I thank the NHL Insider Club members, which has been red hot. Over the past couple weeks, thanks for everybody who's joined. We have 88 great members uh, as of current. Sometimes we've had up to 115. 
And I say this to say when I first started this NHL Insider Club thing, I thought it would be like 10 to 15 to 20 people. Uh, it's quickly become my favorite place to chat. Ragers on the entire internet. And we've had some legitimately very good scoops from people that aren't me, which is even more hurtful. Sometimes, I'll, I, last couple years, I've been getting some good ones. We've had, we've had some stuff pretty early. And uh, recently, I've been getting outscooped by people in the Insiders chat. Fucking crazy shit. Anyway, uh, let me thank everybody. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Amber Cohen's Ranger Runner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Morturo. And if you don't believe me, message Maddie Jack on Twitter and yell at him. And be like, hey, I heard you're in that Insiders chat. Tell me about it. And he'll tell you, I hate Ryan. Never join. Anthony Graham, Anthony Morturo, Anthony Tanagretta, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Doherty, uh, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman. Cassidy Rollman is such a fucking great name. Chris Fridelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stelway, Incomparable Pre-Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizen, David Naren, and David Siegel, Dennis, DJ Banana Jazz. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's such a good one. D- Dylan Britschneider. Is it Britschneider? That's new. Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Greg. Some guy, Greg. <laughs> one take. One take is all it takes. Uh, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Harris Hasco, Hello Vanilla, Hippie89, Jack Bagley. A lot of people change their names this week. James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabrowski, Jimmy Mack, and John Hardesty. John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessenbaum, Josh White, Christopher Florida, Cried or Die, Leszek Granowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Meet Matthew Kind, Meatball the Cat, Mike Kanick, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mancuzu. Why do I do that? That was so weird. Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Other Slash, pa- Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodrev, Phoenix Edition, PJ Sparo, Pro Olympics Gamer, Randy Tesser, Ryan Watch Miracle. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I know. Swangarth, the Drop PK, Tommy Declary, <laughs> Tommy Tedeschi, Tony O'Neill, Tony O'Neill, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, two first names, Tori from Hattie Rose, Supporter, Vinny Bracco, Will Spectre, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark to de bark, bark, bark to de bark. Thank you all for another great week. Uh, no Rangers this week. Feels weird, but it feels like good timing because, well, everyone's hurt. Might as well get put back together. And if they don't win the Devils game, I'll cry. I think that's my analysis on that. We'll be back with BSBOT later this week. If you somehow are still listening to this long, long episode of Blue Church Breakaway at this point, send us ideas for BSBOT because, well, uh, there's no games and it's not the summer. So what are we going to do? You know where to find me. Talk to you guys later. Love you. Bye.